0: Chapter One of The Quiet Flame, Mother Mary Anne of Molokai. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Treese. The Quiet Flame, Mother Mary Anne of Molokai by Eva K. Betts. Chapter One Barbara Cup Mmm, soup, Barbara? Barbara smiled yes soup do you like it i do when you make it matthew threw his hat on a chair but a quick glance from his sister made him hastily snatch it up i'll hang it in the hall he assured her don't glare at me Barbara's eyes twinkled with humor and she had to work to control the lovely mouth which wanted to smile of course you will she said as if she had expected it all the time then will you get some wood for the stove please it's almost gone Matthew lumbered out to the woodshed, wondering, as he did so, why he never argued with his sister. There was something about her, he decided, that made people want to oblige her. And she does plenty for us, he admitted honestly, as he split a chunky branch into stove lengths. Some people might have felt that young Barbara Copp was carrying too heavy a load for her frail shoulders, but such an idea never occurred to the girl herself. When her mother died, it was obvious to Barbara— that she the oldest girl should take over running the house and keep the family together family was an important word to the copse barbara born in eighteen thirty six had been less than two years old when her parents decided to leave their home in hess darnstadt near the rhine and come to america to seek their fortune but she had grown up hearing tales of the little peaked-roofed houses which made up the forest girded villages her expressive eyes grew wide as her mother told her tales of her people their homes their farms and their affection for each other her father's tales were more roistering he told of tricks played on other boys of mountain days and snow and wind and as barbara grew up in their utica new york home it was not unknown for her to try some of these tricks herself she was a sunny child bubbling with laughter yet with a deeply serious side to her nature and above all she was kind two brothers matthew and john had been born to the copse and three more girls, Elizabeth, Catherine, and Eva. So when the mother died, Barbara had a full schedule before her, but with her own family, and with neighbor's children as well, she always had time to bandage cuts and listen to small woes. I declare that child is just made of love, a neighbor exclaimed, as she saw Barbara doing some little kindness. She's a good little housekeeper, too, added her friend, but she does have some strange ideas. Yes, like what? The second speaker was hanging out a wash, and before answering, she paused to remove some clothespins from her mouth. My Mary was over there to supper last night, and Barbara had a glass with some flowers in it right on the table, in the middle. The second woman considered for a moment. Do you know, I think they might look real pretty. That girl has a way with flowers. Barbara did indeed have a way with flowers. She grew some, she picked wild flowers to bring home, and she loved them all and saying that she was made of love, her neighbor had not been so far wrong. First and foremost, Barbara loved God, and it followed that she loved everything he had made, the things made for people's delight, as well as people themselves. She wasn't quite sure when the idea first came to her that she wanted to give her life to him. Perhaps she had seen Mother Bernardine making her rounds. In lieu of a hospital, the sisters of St. Francis nursed the sick in their homes, and between fumes from the nearby brewery and smoke from the railroad there was a good deal of sickness on shoulder street where the cops lived. She was not sure what had planted in her heart the longing to be a nun, but it was there. She held the secret to herself, rejoicing that for some reason God had chosen her, and she looked forward with joy to the time when she would be grown up enough to enter the convent. Then her mother died. Poor Peter Copp was lost. He had loved his wife and depended on her and the world was bewildering without her. He was hardly aware of the skill with which his daughter Barbara took over the care of the house. The other boys and girls were frightened. Mother had always been there as firm as a rock and as soft as a cloud. They could conceive of the sun falling from the sky as readily as their mother leaving them. Unobtrusively Barbara gathered the reins in her hands. She did not try to take her mother's place. No one, she knew, ever replaces another but she built a rule for herself, and, long before the family realized it, life was running smoothly, and Barbara was the reason. It wasn't easy. A mother is born with patience. She is able to accept the quick temper of one child and the dreaminess of the next. She knows instinctively how to discount the emotional exaggerations of a little girl, and to listen with care to the hard-expressed thoughts of her son. But Barbara was only a sister, and she had to learn all those skills the hard way. There were some things she accepted at once, such as the fact that little girls who were bitterest enemies one day might be best friends the next, and she realized that just as surely as the sun draws tidal waters, horses draw small boys. There was something unarguable, inexorable, about the attraction. When one of the boys who had been told to come straight home from school didn't do so, she automatically gave directions. "'Run down to the brewery stables and get your brother.' she found it easy to sympathize with his infatuation she herself loved to watch the powerful dray-horses when they hauled the wagon piled with heavy casks the ripple of their muscles under their well-groomed coats the clang of their shoes striking sparks from the cobbled streets were entertainment of the highest order but though her heart understood the temptation for her brothers her mind said that the boys must learn to obey there are rules for everyone, she pointed out and we must all learn to respect them does Papa have rolls? Of course he does. How do you suppose sidewalks could be laid and curbstones set if the men worked only how and when they wanted to? Matthew looked thoughtful. Do you have rolls? He asked. Oh, Matthew! Barbara's laugh cascaded irrepressibly. Suppose that tomorrow I stay in bed late and don't make breakfast for you all. Then when I make soup I'll put in sugar instead of salt. AND WHEN I BAKE A CAKE I'LL USE A CUP OF SALT INSTEAD OF SUGAR. AT SUPPER. I GUESS EVERYBODY HAS RULES, John AGREED SADLY. IT HARDLY SEEMS WORTHWHILE GROWING UP. AND BARBARA'S HEART WAS ALWAYS longing TO ENTER THE CONVENT. RULES THERE WERE THAT SHE YEARNED TO BE GUIDED BY. BUT IT WAS PLAIN TO HER THAT FOR THE TIME BEING AT ANY RATE HER DUTY WAS AT HOME, AND ALWAYS WHAT SHE WAS SUPPOSED TO DO SHE DID, AND DID WELL. Best of all, there was nothing of a long-faced martyr about her. She loved life and enjoyed every bit of it. There was laughter in the cop-home and gaiety. She planned picnics for the children and simple outings. There was no money for frivolities, but who needed money? They picked wildflowers to decorate the cemetery in the spring. Barbara took them to watch other people's fireworks on the 4th of July, and amid shrieks of laughter she taught them to use barrel staves for snowshoes when winter set in she was mother and sister and wonderful playfellow all in one she skillfully managed questions of discipline which sometimes arose when she shifted roles the sweetness of her nature and the strength of her character allowed her to direct as well as play she saw them through school and through their first faltering love affairs none of them seemed to find it strange that she had no love affair of her own for none of them was aware that her heart had long ago been given to christ that within her burned a quiet flame that would be satisfied only when she was inside convent walls. At last, the children were grown and scattered. Mr. Copp died, and, at twenty-six, Barbara joined the Sisters of St. Francis in Syracuse. She was professed the following year, 1863, and called Sister Marianne. Her own family had taught her how to deal with children, so teaching, her first assignment as a nun, was a joy to her it was a joy to her classes, too. Sister said, as children always report, often, had an addition. Sister Mary Ann laughed out loud. She had been little more than a decade in the order when she was appointed superior of St. Joseph's Hospital in Syracuse. Just as little Barbara Cop had gathered the frayed threads of her household and made a home, so Mother Mary Ann moved the diocesan activities of caring for the sick into a well-administered hospital. Two years later she was unanimously elected provincial superior, and when her term was up she was re-elected. Now her days were indeed filled, her calmness and good sense forbade any appearance of hustle or bustle, and to see her in chapel might convey the feeling that she belonged to a contemplative order. As a girl she had walked down to pay a visit to the church as often as she could. Now her joy was in the chapel, where she could lose herself and talk with her beloved, but all the houses in the province were demanding her care, her advice, her opinions. It was for her to say if this move was advisable, if that step should be postponed. The schools would be closing before long, and many matters were waiting on her decision. She was at her desk studying the problems, waiting solution, when the sister portress knocked at her door. Mother, she said, I don't like to disturb you, but there's a priest downstairs. Father Leonor, his name is and he comes from Molokai. He is most anxious to see you. Father Leonor, from Molokai? I wonder what he wants. Did he say? No, Mother, just that he wanted to talk with you. Mother thoughtfully made a neat little pile out of the papers on which she had been working. Well, there's one way I can find out what he wants, isn't there, sister? Mother's eyes sparkled with her ready laughter, Instead of just sitting here wondering, I can go down and see him. She walked slowly down the stairs, part of her mind still back at her desk, but when she had entered the parlor and listened for a few minutes to the visiting priest, her mind was wrapped up in a completely new problem. The fate of many people would hang on that conversation. chapter 1